Riff, ¿estás recuerdando? Uh, sí. Jim, ¿tienes boomps? <laughs> I'm Zach. I'm Riff. I'm Jim. And I'm Kevin. It's time for episode number 378 of Video Games Hot Dog, A Harmony Joy Bus Ride. <laughs> I would just like to point out that today is National Hot Dog Day. Oh. Okay. What does, does that mean? Does that mean we, we should get the day off then, right? Bye. <laughs> I, well, I was thinking we had to discuss hot dogs on this hot dog podcast. It would be funny if I just edited the rest of your track out to be silence, Riff. <laughs> you could just go on break, Riff. We won't tell anybody. Okay. Bye. <laughs> what are you doing to celebrate National Hot Dog Day? Oh, I mean, I'm not celebrating it. I just wanted to point it out. Have you? When's the last time you ate a hot dog? This morning. Oh. Did you do it in celebration of National Hot no, Dog Day? No, I didn't know it was. Did you just learn from reading the side uh, of the hot dogs over breakfast? <laughs> that's that's right. The hot dogs told me. No, it was, no, the, yeah, it was yeah. the only thing I had to read while I was taking a shit. You, you break the hot dog hot open dogs. and it's got a, and the fortune inside says, congratulations, it's, today is hot dog day. I call that exercise full duplex. <laughs> yeah. Although really things are only moving in one direction. Uh, but Well... But, <laughs> they are moving both in and out. I think okay. that's what defines it. I could be wrong. Okay. Yeah. If you're plotting yourself on a one-dimensional graph, then yes. What are you doing to celebrate National Hot Dog Day, Kevin? Uh, I am remembering the fallen hot dogs of the past. Okay. Like the ones that fell on the floor when you were trying to cook them. Yeah. And the ones that fell off the cliff uh, when you also jumped off the cliff in Thelma and Louise's car full of hot dogs. <laughs> yeah, in the director's cut, they drive the Oscar Mayer wiener mobile up. <laughs> Those hot dogs that didn't know the war was over, and so they just like kept, kept a vigil on that island until finally the mosquitoes killed them. Yeah. Oh, I don't think I've eaten. Do you eat a hot dog every day? No, keeps the doctor away. <laughs> <laughs> I think the opposite. Of that That's maybe just smell. <laughs> um, Jim, can you describe your shirt to the audience so that they can enjoy it as much as we're enjoying it? Oh, I mean, I think some one of you should read it aloud. Okay. Um, I okay. It's I'm, hard. Or you could provide me with a mirror and then I could read it backwards. <laughs> read it backwards? Okay. It's hard for me. It's hard for me to say these words. Okay. All right. Okay. I am a proud. Okay. F first of all, every single line of this is in a different typeface. Oh, uh, no. Some, some, some lines are have two typefaces. Just... I am a proud husband of a thick thigh wife. She was born in May. She has tattoos and she drives me crazy. Mess with me. You better run for your life because she's coming after you and hell's coming with her. Yes, she bought me this shirt. Every fact true. Um, so, I mean, is it is it customized? Uh, I, you know, so I think it's written in the style of, uh, those, the, the products that companies will upload by the thousands to Amazon that don't mm. actually exist. Right. Is this, just, 
Is this one of those, or is this I, a shirt so the, in the style the, of one of those that she had printed specifically? The only thing that I can see that could have been Mad Libbed is the month. Uh, so I don't think it would be a very good one of those. If so, Do you, like so, like I think this was written in the style to to appear to be one of those things, but it was written by a person to be funny. It was certainly not. I think you found it from someone who was not April. So it wasn't like right. targeted at April based on her demographic data. <laughs> right. Do, do you think do you think that there is a tag that Instagram or Facebook knows about people that is that they are thick thigh? It I I bet like there are people out there posting with like hashtag curvy that yeah. sort of thing. Also, I bet like um, you can like OCR somebody's thighs out of the image <laughs> and just measure them. I see. Uh, what does the C stand for? <laughs> yeah, and, uh, like, optical curve, optic, optical Cellulite. curve recognition. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, I guess we we learned to our dismay that Facebook definitely knows people who say don't like Jews. And lets uh -huh. you lets you target ads at them. So I don't know why I feel like describing someone as thick thighed is more offensive than that, <laughs> or somehow beyond the pale. Right? Do you think that pale thighs are also an option? <laughs> I certainly they're not like the sort of thing people would like. I would have been much more surprised to see a pale thighed wife shirt. I think that would have been. I don't know if it would be every, funnier. Every or, every girl's crazy for a pale thighed wife. Because <laughs> there's some overlap, I guess. Yeah, there is. Do you think that in the? Do you think that the Venn diagram? What do you call? Hmm. Okay, sorry. There, there's got to be a way to. Uh, all right, so a Venn diagram of people like us, let's assume that there's a normal distribution of thigh thickness and thigh paleness. Okay. Uh-huh. What would you expect a data set to look like if there was no correspondence between the two? What is the Venn diagram of people with thick thighs and people with pale thighs? I mean, I mean, in, in a norm, I've described normal curves, which are not just like a binary distinction between. So if there's, uh, you either if there's have no correspondence, it's just going to be two circles that somewhat overlap. But to what extent is it like? Do half of the people with thick thighs have pale thighs, and vice versa? It would if it's it would depend a on straight up separate, random. Like if you you would have to measure them separately. I so I don't think this is where you're going, but I saw a recent recently a really good. Uh, video by um, num the number file YouTube channel. It wasn't the usual person talking, but I think it was a guest uh, that talked about um, if you plot um, book quality versus movie quality, uh, movies that were adapted from books quality. Uh, if you do like a um, an X Y plot where one of them is the one of them is the quality of the book, one of them is the quality of the movie. There's actually not much correlation there. Uh, it's it's just all it's just all over the map. It, I but, would uh, I would challenge the meaningfulness of the metric. Like yeah, what are they I mean, based on whose opinion? 
right? Uh, it's based. It was based on the Goodreads ranking and the IMDb rating. I think. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. Um, and so just for context, this is like to address the idea that the movie is always worse than the book. Um, and what what they pointed out is that if you um, as most people unconsciously do, ignore all the uh, products that were bad, like the books that were bad and the movies that were bad, um, then a correspondence actually does appear. Uh, if you if you just if you throw away all the data of the low quality books and movies, and so. What, because only good books get made into good movies. No, it's because um, because all your all your other data has been thrown away. So, like the if you if you plot the two, if you plot all the data, it's like this re- vaguely rectangular cloud. Oh, but if you look at only the top, only half the top of quality, which is sets, the, the triangle, there is more of a line. They're in the triangle in the triangle, which is the top right triangle of the rectangle. Um, that you can draw a uh, a line of correspondence, which is kind of going diagonally downwards. Kevin is puzzled. Just thinking, theory I'm on just Twitter about it. Oh, it's okay, let's all take a break and watch this video that I was talking about. Okay, sure. I'll just insert all the audio from it with no visual eye- <laughs> right. hides. Uh, I just thought that was a really interesting, like, interesting, uh, interesting point to make. I, de- you know. Intuitively, you think of movies that are better than the books that they're based on as a comparative rarity. Like you can name a handful of those, whereas you could name a dozen right. books that you liked that the movies were disappointed. Like just say every Stephen King movie. Although The Shining, probably the Kubrick movie was better than the book. Yeah. Well, and then this was also like in response to that. I saw I saw people also positing the theory that Hollywood makes bad books into good movies and vice versa. I'm guessing, though, that there are plenty of movies that I saw and liked that I did not know were based on books uh-huh. and that that's, the books uh, were bad. And so the books were not as good as the movie. That makes sense, yeah. And so, yeah, it's... I mean, every movie is written out as a script beforehand, which is basically a book. It's I true. suppose that's true. But then the actors often go off book. Hmm. Which just means they've memorized it, not that they're making shit up. That's a weird thing. I would think the phrase off book would mean, oh, like off the rails. Like oh he's gone bananas he's <laughs> he's switched to ad lib mode from roll the correct Roland MT thirty two his IRQ is wrong and he's getting all of his lines mixed up uh, you know I watched uh, that movie The Postman and then when I learned that The Postman was based on a book I was like huh this movie makes me want to read a good version of this story and then I read the book and it was one yeah. oh so is that but- the is that the like post-apocalyptic yeah. Kevin Costner Kevin joint? Costner, yep. Okay. Well, it's one of the post-apocalyptic Kevin Costner joints. <laughs> right, because water. Are, are, do they take place in the same world? I don't oh. believe so. Oh, okay. Uh, interestingly, in the movie The Postman, Tom Petty appears as himself. Right. Uh, the, Which is pretty funny. History has gone on to demonstrate that that's not what's going to happen because Tom Petty died before civilization. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which is a real bummer. Are you sure? I wish it had been civilization that died. Are you that sure day. that civilization hasn't died? Could we be living in a post-civilization world? Well, we still get the mail. Do we? Or I, is it? Is this some sort of weird like? If you look at like the, a garbage delivery service that <laughs> occasionally drops some advertisements in a box. If near you looked my house. at the floor behind our mail slot, you would know we still get the mail. Oh, you're saying this because 
in the postman, it's odd that that there's mail delivery. Well, that that's the. Um, I actually haven't seen this movie, but I, that's isn't that like he finds like a bag of he mail. He finds a bag of mail and decides to deliver it. Yeah, and it's and it's it's kind of played up. It, like the the character in the book, I think cares about it a little more. Kevin Costner's character in the movie is more kind of cynical about it, and I guess he sort of starts to think, oh, maybe this. Maybe it is good to give people hope because it's all just like letters from their dead relatives. They're like, oh, looks like they're fine. But they were fine 20 years ago when they wrote this letter. Right. And like people send stupid mail too, right? Like it would be a real bummer if everybody in your post-apocalyptic village was getting letters from their loved ones. It's like, oh, I finally I get to read some new communication from my old dearly departed dad. And then one guy gets a Victoria's Secret catalog and becomes the envy of everyone in the neighborhood. (laughs) And all you get is a fucking grocery store circular. <laughs> but there might be like a hot lady in the cer- in the grocery store circular. Oh yeah, lucky. it might be one of those grocery stores that also sells bras. Yeah. What if the reveal of the Book of Eli was that in this post-apocalyptic future, the Bible that he's carrying around is in French, and like it's like, <laughs> oh my God, he was French the whole time. <laughs> I was thinking, what if it's one of those Bibles that has a hole cut out in it in the shape of a gun, <laughs> a and he just gets yeah, it and t- pulls a gun out of it. <laughs> There's a book, like a Bible with a hole cut out of it and shape inside is a smaller Bible. A smaller Bible? Which has a smaller Bible. Or just a comic book. (laughs) Uh, Oh, man. What a a waste of all of the people that were in that movie (laughs) and the the premise overall. Gosh, guys. We're spoiling so many movies. Yeah. Well, you didn't actually say what does happen in the end of Book That's of Eli. That's sure. Yeah, you didn't say that he was a robot. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, it's written in space letters. Moon language. What does a robot read? It's just a QR code. <laughs> <laughs> um. So this shirt's okay, I guess. Yeah. I One thing that I didn't consider when I put this on to wear to the podcast is that I would have to walk past hundreds of people on the street to get here i luckily i think that nobody cares. they don't have yeah a it's nobody cares because it's san francisco and b i think people just generally wouldn't have time to read the entire right. thing and no i didn't see anybody like like craning their neck to figure out but like what on the pro- bart maybe that's true yeah I, if uh, I were if I were walking down the street and I saw somebody on this shirt, I would read, I'm I proud. am a proud husband, and then I would think, ah, nobody cares, <laughs> and just stop reading it. <laughs> I, I think most most likely if anybody reacted, it would be like to think that I have really bad design taste. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, you're always pitching Burger King as the place that we should go eat dinner uh, <laughs> oh. after. Oh, I'm mean, always inspired by podcast. those Ian Bogost uh, burger-generated... Uh, yeah. Yeah, I recently I recently refollowed him, and so all like all I've just been thinking about gelato every minute of every day. <laughs> so I think we should have gelato for dinner. But I I was suggesting that maybe dressed as you are today oh, yeah. could be the day that we finally do dinner at Burger King. Mm. the The problem yes. is that Jim and I both want to record the podcast very early, which leaves us needing to have dinner at five o'clock, which is the time that old men like to have dinner. But nothing is open for dinner at five o'clock. And Kevin objects to the idea of spending a bunch of time between the podcast and dinner because, if I understand correctly, you're worried about the tax implications of using Patreon money 
Oh, now this is this podcast is definitely going to be it's, played in It's court. evidence now. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the reason I don't want to spend a bunch of time between the podcast and dinner is that I want to get home to my wife and child. Yeah. Do you have a similar shirt about your child that describes a bunch of his physical characteristics? Oh, he has characteristic. the thickest fucking Does thighs. He, the thickest? he is. <laughs> they are pretty thick. Yeah. I, like they're like they're like big, like a they're... like a prize-winning carrot, <laughs> like a like a like an immense like vegetable stalk they are... sticking out of either side of your kid's pelvis. They're real big, real real big. Cute kid, though. I have a, a video of him from probably when he was a month old of just me, like, accordioning the skin on his legs, on his knees. Wait, why does he have so much extra skin on them? <laughs> I don't know. I, I didn't ask. Okay. Well, it's because so like, knee skin doesn't, weight. you don't get more of that. So babies have to start out with <laughs> as much makes, as you oh, makes sense. Have. Yeah. yeah. And I, I never actually got around to posting it, but maybe I will now. Maybe it'll be in the show notes. You could probably replace part of your knee skin with some sort of po synthetic polymer. Mm. Or just like made... a hinge. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's been a long time since I had like a skinned knee. You know, I guess that's a an injury that you associate with children. But I just have... that kind of general abrasion, I guess it's because we don't play outside. We yeah, don't, don't like run full tilt, get run full on, tilt on concrete. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, fall down. Oh, yeah. Because you would die. Like if you ran full tilt as a as a forty two year old man and fell down onto concrete. Like you don't hear the stories about those people there because they're obituaries. It's the opposite don't go into that of kind survivor of bias. Yeah, yeah. I I did once as an adult slip on ice and skin my knee. Hmm. It sucks. Yeah, like That's... I don't know, like. Like, I, I can I can hear people talk about basically any kind of injury, but road rash makes gives me the screaming heebie-jeebies every time. Yeah. I can't aren't, think about like, it. I don't know. Like, aren't you the one of us that's like doing the most dangerous street-based activity <laughs> as a yeah. hobby, though? Yeah. Well, he just probably. hates hearing about it. Not he very about often. Feeling though. it. Yeah. I like as kids were we just much more pain tolerant. Yeah, Boy, I, I feel like I was way less pain tolerant as yeah. a kid. Yeah. Also, you know, one one thing that is a kind of an advantage of time going by so much faster as an adult. Do, Aaron Burke from the Mini Bosses pointed this out to me years ago. Do you remember how when you were a kid, if you like burned your mouth, it seemed like it was fucked up for like months. Mm, and no. now a mouth injury is healed within minutes within months it seems <laughs> i feel like it always it took a week as a kid and it takes a week as an adult i yeah. feel like it took a week as a kid and it takes like eight hours now Ugh, no uh, yeah no yeah. not not eight hours definitely i think you're just better at not putting really hot stuff in your mouth now and so you're just your injuries are less severe okay i could see that i guess that's my that's my contention well we could make a dog really hot because today is the day to do it and then you could stick that in your mouth. Okay. And then see what happens. You don't tend to burn yourself on a hot dog. Yeah. Hot is a, is really kind of a misnomer. Or like a hamburger. Dog is also a misnomer. Like a pizza you burn yourself on because the part that you hold is cooler than the cheese right. on the top, right? Yeah. And so but, but a hot dog like, and a burger, you'd think you'd be similarly protected. I feel like the things that you're more most likely to burn yourself on are oily. Okay. Because they get in there and get stuck, you can't just immediately withdraw. Is mm -hmm. a sausage considered a hot like dog? A, 
Maybe it's liquidy because like a. I think a sausage is a sandwich. Because a a hot pocket will do it too, and that's not well, right? But oh, that's yeah, a that's surprise a amount of heat inside. That's you know. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a it's like a Kinder egg. <laughs> a Kinder egg full a, of heat. Boy, like a melted army man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hmm. You just stand outside the Kinder. You egg just took a Kinder egg and you just magnifying glass. Grilled it in like a panini press. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the worst desserts. You could probably eat around the edges and it would be kind of safe, but mm, it depends. The, the, it, those are the cases where you would actually. Oh, I'm glad this one just had a shitty paper jigsaw puzzle in it. Well, but it still has the plastic egg that oh, right. is now scrambled. Oh over. yeah. Huh. <laughs> Got scrambled Kinder eggs. <laughs> this is why they're banned. Yeah, uh, yeah. They know, they know. Pranksters would do shit like we're talking about. Yeah, uh, video games. I guess I. This is awful. I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I've played uh, recently that wasn't the assignment is uh, Donkey Kong Three, because it was the new um, Nintendo emulator game or one of the new Nintendo emulator games. Is that the one where you play somebody with like a a can of bug spray? Yeah. Yeah. And some and for some reason the bug spray like causes uh Kong to like climb up the ropes. It irritates his, his butthole. But his yeah. many bugs. Yep. Uh it's actually pretty fun. Yeah. Like the, the theming is real weird, but the game itself is pretty fun. I played I played a bunch of it. It isn't any we- like the difference between Donkey Kong Jr. and Donkey Kong 3 isn't any weirder than the difference between Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Jr., I guess. But yeah, nobody ever talks about Donkey Kong 3. Yeah, I had, I didn't even know there was a Donkey Kong 3. Well, Donkey Kong Jr. at least reuses mostly the same characters. Like I don't think Mario appears in the third one at all. Yeah, it's like somebody named Seymour or something. Yeah. It's still Donkey Kong. There's bees. That's uh yeah. there were birds in Donkey Kong Jr. My cousin had the actual cartridge of Donkey Kong 3 huh. uh, when I was a kid, so I played a ton of it because it was like, you 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 know, it's fun, it's easy for the first couple levels, and then it gets very, very hard. Yep. Kind of like a video game <laughs> of that era, <laughs> I yep. guess. When, when they were trying to steal all your quarters. They were trying to make each game last exactly two minutes. Yeah. I don't know if Donkey Kong 3 was ever an arcade game, though. I, well, I doubt it, but I'm just... I feel like it was. I feel like that design philosophy persisted even into Yeah, I feel like consoles. it was, but maybe I'm thinking of like a Play Choice 10 thing. Yeah. Nintendo did a handful of dedicated arcade cabinets after the NES came out, but not that many. Isn't it still vertically oriented, Donkey Kong 3? Oh, yeah. Uh, That's a good point. I don't actually know. It certainly could be. Yeah. What the orientation is. Because you're moving around in a pretty narrow subset of the band. Yeah. 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 Huh. No. You're continuing to check out the Nintendo stuff on the Switch? Yeah, every every month I'd give it a look because there's a lot of stuff I've just never played. So. Did you not? It's weird. You have. I did not. You grew up with every single Dungeons and Dragons source book that came out while you were a child, but you just didn't have Nintendo. I didn't have a Nintendo. Huh. And you didn't have any friends with Nintendo? No, I did. I played a bunch of games at friends' houses. Um, But like I had an Atari and I played the hell out of an Atari. Why didn't you have a Nintendo? Were you just not interested in video games? No, I I had like a Game Boy. Hmm. I I liked video games. I, I like, I went from Atari to Game Boy to 
PC games was basically my progression, I think. Hmm. That's sort Although of pe- like it was for me, except for me it was Commodore VIC-20 to Macintosh to Game Boy. Hmm. And I mean, I and I played a ton of Nintendo at friends' houses, and I would like buy games and then like keep them at friends' houses. Oh, crazy. Oh, huh. Because like I wanted to play a game and they didn't have it, so... I don't think as a child, during the time when Nintendo games were a thing, I don't think that I ever had enough discretionary money personally to buy a Nintendo game. Huh. You just could sell off some of your Dungeons and Dragons collection. Exactly. Yeah. Um, did you have a job? I mowed lawns and I babysat. Okay. Yeah. Like just neighborhood chores basically God, you'd have to babysit for a month in the 80s to get a nintendo game well it was like a dollar per kid per hour was my mm. rate and so like and a you bunch knew of, an octomom well a bunch of the families that i babysat had two or three kids so <laughs> so you, you could either target families with a lot of kids or extremely negligent families <laughs> or both was a real gold mine yeah well yeah if i could bring <laughs> if i could bring like multiple families kids to one location and watch them simultaneously that was like the ideal and then, yeah. That was the optimizer. Yeah. Um, I haven't looked at the NES stuff on the Switch in a while. Yeah, it's it's generally pretty obscure titles, I feel like. Do they have Urban Champion yet? I forget. No sale. <laughs> because you forget. Do it's... they have Balloon Fight? I think They so. always have Balloon Fight. Everybody, you... I'm just I'm champing at the bit for the opportunity to buy another copy of Balloon Fight. They have like a hundred games at this point or something, so it's that's a lot. I don't remember what all they have. What is Urban Champion like? Maybe they don't have a hundred oh, games. They have a hundred things, about half of which are just like saves, remixes. Yeah, which that's awesome. Yeah, I'm there for that. So you just like start Gradius with all the power ups or whatever, or start. Mike Tyson's punch out where you just have to throw one punch at Mike Tyson and then you win. Yeah. Whoa. I don't know if that's true or not. I think there are some that are just right at the end. It seems like you could do that. There's definitely the like see the ending of Dr. Mario. Yes. Right. Urban Champion is a it's a one on one fighting game I think is only one player which is How do you have a one on one fighting game There's one one CPU controlled Oh I see. Okay. Uh, And I believe the only attack is punch. You could punch high or low. And so it's just a matter of like you're playing rock, paper, scissors with the CPU to see whether they're going to block high or low. They probably throw flower pots at you at varying heights. Yeah, the So there's someone in the window above you who, th- who drops flower pots on you. Um, but they don't care who they're hitting. They can, it can hit either participant of the fight. Um and the idea is to punch the person off the screen. Uh, once you've done that, two times, I think, a manhole appears on the far side of the screen. You can punch them into the manhole. And I thought you were going to say then you'd go on to the sewer level. No, there's no... You, like the, So this they, is like realistic. The, like you don't want to go into the sewer. They play the sewer level. <laughs> mm. it's, it's just pitfall. I really do want to go into a sewer, though. A real sewer? Yeah. Yeah, I just want to see. I think they're pretty gross. I mean, I don't want to go into one of the ones. That I want it like there is definitely some sewage infrastructure that is meant for people to walk around in mm-hmm. in this city, and I want to see that. 
Like I want to, I want to go into one of those cisterns that's underneath the. You wanna, sure. You know. Yeah, you want to pet I, the fat berg? When at GDC, I fell in with a group of game developers. You fell in the sewer were, with a group of. T- <laughs> <laughs> with, uh, who were like trying to tour the cisterns, and they like were they had a map of like here's where the cisterns are. And what just from a, like from the street? Yeah, well, that's way less interesting. That, that, I think that's what we realized is we're not actually seeing the cisterns. We're just seeing like here's the circle of bricks that indicates where the cisterns is. Yeah, that's not not nearly as cool. I don't I, I don't have a sense of whether those are actually in use or whether they are just historical caverns. Like, are they actually storing water? I doubt it. Uh, I want to go inside the Bay Bridge. I want to see like what it's like inside the. What, there's like just sometimes you'll see just like a door in one of the concrete supports. I want to know what's in there. It's probably just a bunch of stairs, you know, going down to hell. Yeah, stairway to hell. If you're going down, if it goes up. It's a stairway to the to the underside of the bridge. I want to like walk on the beams on the underside of the bridge, but like a lot of them are have big gaps in them, so you have to kind of jump from side to side to get a. I, boy, wow, I've never wanted anything terrifying. less than I want that. <laughs> is is the Bay Bridge where they buried Babe Ruth? Yes. Yeah. Bury me on Babe Ridge, he said. Great man. So just urban champion. Yeah. <laughs> This is going to be a short show, guys. Have you played? Have you not <laughs> you played mean the video a game? shit show? It's already a shit show. It's just going to be a short, a blissfully short shit show, uh, a blissfully brief shit show. I listeners mail. I uh, I uh, played a little bit of a game, which somehow escaped my notice in the 2015 interactive fiction competition, which uh, Emily Short tweeted about, called Spy Intrigue. Oh, I've seen people talking about that. It is pretty interesting. It's a it's a twine game at its core. It's a twine game. Uh, it's got a kind of an interesting UI, and there's effectively a map of the twine game. You can do some kind of limited time travel where you can just bounce around the trees, and it checks off boxes that you've been to. So I guess theoretically the goal is to like see all of the text, and it makes it pretty clear which things you've seen. Hmm. Um, it's very funny. The writing is funny. Uh, it occasionally goes into these vignettes where it's like about trauma and feelings and stuff. And those are like very serious, uh, very like raw emotionally, which is a, is a kind of a weird contrast to Hmm. the just funny spy stuff that you're doing in the outside. I'm sure there's some kind of resolution between the two or some kind of payoff but uh yeah spy intrigue it's free and you just play it on a web page it's cool it's an interesting thing that they've done with the twine format um yeah gives you a little bit more control over it um and the thing that i've been playing a ton of on my telephone uh is p1 select which is the new michael bro game um he michael bro made a game for the bro like jam that they did hmm. on itch a while Is back and he then uh yeah i think so okay. it's i mean it's technically anything that he makes is like a thing that oh, he makes yeah okay that's fair uh yeah so it uh p1 select is a it is a game on i want to say a 4x4 grid 
Um, but next to the four by four level is a three by three grid on which nine sort of characters are placed and the arrangement of those characters is randomized every time and you pick one to start with and whenever you issue an input on to move on the map or to fire a weapon on the map uh, the cursor that indicates the cursor in the grid of characters moves and you your avatar becomes that character Um, the characters all have different attack abilities and they all have they independently have hit points um, you go into a level, there are some walls, there are some enemies that are always the same enemy, and there are some rings that you can pick up. Those rings are the ammo for your attacks. The different characters have different, like, there's one that's, like, quick, and so it will kill an adjacent enemy at the cost of half a ring. There's one that, like, will kill enemies in a pattern in front of them. There's one that does, like, a huge shotgun blast that could potentially kill a ton of enemies, but it costs two rings. Um... I think there are a fixed number of rings and enemies per level, and I think it is they give you fewer rings than there are enemies consistently. So you have to figure out how to maneuver your way into a space. Like, you're both trying to line up. It's very simple movement and the same kind of, like, parody and zugzwang things that he likes to do in, in his games. But there's the added weirdness of I need to get me and the enemies into a particular configuration while I am a particular character and deciding like when when you move into range of an enemy's attack to fix the parody thing depends on like the hit points of the character that you are going to be when the hit lands and so that's a thing that is basically always how I lose is by forgetting about that Hmm. um if a character dies, is it it's game, game over? over? Yeah. If so any of all of your characters have to. Yeah. Yeah. And there doesn't seem to be any way to gain health back. Every time you exit a level, you get a point, and there's one guy who, uh, whenever he kills an enemy, it scores a point. And that's that's all it is. It's just a score chase thing, like uh, like single pows. Um, it keeps track of the last 20 games that you've played, and your score is the average of your score in those. I I huh. once scored 12 points in a game and it gave me the ability to select a power up which I've just then had in all subsequent games and there's apparently another one that you get at 14 and another one at 16 I guess uh, I think there are 9 levels to complete the game based on a little my interpretation of a little mini map in the corner um but yeah, the, the power-up that I chose was whatever character you start as starts with two additional hit points, um, which I've, I kind of wish I'd picked a different one now, because that one, it's almost never the case that you can choose. Well, I guess it's kind of always the case that you can choose who's taking damage, but you have to be more careful than I am in order to do it. Seems seems good. It does not have anywhere near the depth of Syncopaus, but it was a game that was made in a week for a game jam, and it's pretty good for one of those. P1 Select is the name of that. It's such an interesting sort of similar to but variation on um, Imbroglio, where the the grid is the weapon that you're equipped with yeah, your current the, position. Yeah, exactly. Except there's it's it's a separate variable. Yeah. yeah. What is the, I wonder what the narrative conceit of it would be if it was like in a 3D world. It's it like, 
you are a nine-sided creature or nine-dimensional being and as Mm. you move a different part of you is exposed or something like a cube rolling around but a nine-sided cube sure a Mm nonahedron a john hedron what have you been playing jim uh so minute was released on phones so Mm. i replayed that um how long did it take about an hour so the name of the game is bad is what you're saying that's exactly what i'm saying yes uh yeah but you get to you get to see an andy rooney commentary at the end right (laughs) uh and it's uh i guess i'm we 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 talked a bunch about minute right didn't we at the like when at the time of release like i think so the, the, the gimmick of it is that um once the game gets started, if you have been alive for 60 seconds, you die, and then you respawn at the last place you checkpointed at. Um, but most of the progress you make in the world persists, and so what the 60-second limit actually means is that you're never more than a minute away from something interesting happening in the game. You're never more than a minute away from the possibility of something. the possibility of it, yes. Yeah. Um, which I think is something that most games probably would be better if they made that promise, hmm. without necessarily making it the central mechanical conceit. Right. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't think this game would actually lose much if you like. There are some clever things it does with it, but I'm not sure that it would lose that much if it was just a kind of a Zelda-like. Which it is otherwise. Uh, and so the the real question then becomes, like, how is it on the phone with phone controls? And the answer is it's, you know, it's not great, but it's playable. Uh, it's not a, a ver- the, the usual dumb virtual D-pad. It's kind of a, a little bit smarter than that where you, you drag in a direction to start moving in that direction. Um, and it works okay. It's not. It's not the best. And it's but... just agnostic as to where you touch. For yeah, that. yeah. You can start touching. Start from anywhere, including like the place you stopped your last drag. And so it works all right. Uh, and uh, I think it's like six, five dollars, seven dollars, something like that. It's a, it's it's a. It it feels like like you're actually paying for a video game, right? Which is cool. And you bought it on Android. I bought it on Android. <laughs> yeah. You can do that? Yeah, yeah, it's weird. That's surprising. And I thought I, it was a theft-only platform. <laughs> and I played some uh, Outer Wilds. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I've heard very, very good things about this video game. I uh, I like a lot of it. I like a lot of it a lot. So th- this is a game where you are part of a rustic spaceflight program like you're living in a, a a village with other aliens and i assume you are one of the aliens too because everybody looks like that but it's a first person game so i don't know um and everything is made out of wood and stone uh but you are out exploring the solar system in your in your spaceships um and the solar system is very it feels very like 
maybe kind of Jules Verne in that the scales are tiny. Like the whole thing is like a couple kilometers across according to the in-game measurements. And I think like realistically it's probably smaller than that. Um, but every every place you can go is interesting, unlike actual space flight. Um, and so you can you can go to the moon and you can talk to the guy who's like been placed who's in, in, in a, a rocking chair being uh the lookout on the moon and he tells you how to um use your device i forget what the device is called but it's a device you can use to like listen across distances to find uh the other spacefarers who are playing their instruments hmm. on various planets um and there's there was a previous civilization that's been that was also exploring this space and figuring out things about it and you get a translator that that reads their writing and their writing is is interesting in that like it it it's topologically interesting like it goes off in spirals and branches and that's kind of neat um and then the sun explodes and you die and you start over uh but you keep your notes and like huh. as as a so character so basically you're playing space minute it it kind of is like that yeah um, I think this, the supernova cycle is like 20 minutes. So like you, nobody else seems to no, notice the time resets. Um, but you go off and you can explore again. And the, I actually feel like this is kind of detracting from the game because I think literally every time the sun has gone Nova, I had just found a cool thing that I wanted to look at more closely. So that's kind of a bummer. Like at one point I had like, I had found a geyser, um, like, cause you can also, you can take off in your spaceship out of the village, you uh, full of aliens who are interested in the solar system and you can go to another planet, but you can also like explore the planet you're on because the village is just a small part of it. I found a, a series of geysers, uh, on that planet and actually like, this kind of happened by accident, but it turned out to be really neat. I fell into one of them and ended up in this underground underwater cavern hmm. where someone had left, like someone had clearly been there and left notes. Um, hmm. And I was trying to like figure out like, what is this place and why is when, when like, Oh, Oh good. I have to reset now. Um, but I mean, that would also be true if the game was an endless series of interesting things that you were constantly finding and exploring right like any end of a time limit well the time limit is what makes it frustrating is well, right yeah 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 but maybe the time limit is what makes it meaningful man huh. maybe it's like a metaphor it, it could be um i can't rule that out and maybe it's trying to make me think about my own mortality i mean that seems to be kind of what it's about right i haven't gotten far enough to confirm or deny that there is like a central puzzle sort of right do you but it's like the the impression that i get from hearing people talk about it it's like you just learn things yes. more than more than like you find a red key card yeah that seems to be the case yeah um i was so frustrated by the way that it controlled yeah that i just didn't make it off the 
an opening Dude, so planet. I, I want to try were you again, I guess. Keyboard and mouse? Yeah, it was keyboard and mouse. It's also frustrating on a gamepad, for what it's worth. Huh. Like, I thought maybe it was super... Like, you jump when you release the jump button, yeah, which just means that every time I'm supposed to jump, I'm like, what the fuck is... Go- oh, god damn it. Yeah. Just every single time, there's a log across the path it's like mm, yeah. great i i think it may be that they um were trying to have a very realistic physics engine and charging up your jump is a more realistic way to like and also that like it's actually really important to um to be able to attenuate your jump height yeah because you get on places where if you jump too far you leave you the planet drift off into space yeah well that's fun which is terrifying <laughs> like that that's definitely happened to me also like i'm like oh shit i wonder if i have enough jetpack fuel to get back to this the place i was exploring before i just hmm. drift off into nothing um i i think it's a combination of that and i agree it's kind of it, it is really frustrating and especially like Especially like if, especially when you're just walking around in a place that doesn't seem like it's, uh, it should be any different from a regular, like, here's every video game. It has you practice controlling a spaceship also with a little remote controlled drone that you're supposed to land in a geyser or something. Yeah. And it probably took me a hundred tries to I get the thing in the thing fucking geyser. I think is harder to control than the real spaceship. Uh, okay. Well, that's a good sign then. Cause yeah. I. <laughs> But like you do, you you run into issues where like, it the 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 solar system is small enough that you feel like you could just point at any one of these things and just go there, hmm. and you can, but you still have to take orbital mechanics into consideration. Where if like something is coming towards you and you're going towards it, you'll either crash land on it at incredible speed or fly past each other, right? And you'll have to turn around. You have to like figure out how to match speeds with the uh with the uh the, your your target. Um but I found a lot of interesting stuff that I really enjoyed looking at and trying to figure out and And it's 100% authored, right? It's not there's no procedural yeah, as generation. As far as I know there's no procedural generation. I for some reason wow. when when I first heard about this, I thought this was like in the vein of No Man's Sky. But yeah, yeah. Cool. I feel like I conflated it in my those two things in my head as well. Yeah, and I don't know why I did. This was uh, a surprise find in the um, game developer awards, right? The not the not game developer awards, but I, the IGF, IGF Independent um, Game Festival. Yeah, I, th- I think that's where I saw it. That was twenty fourteen. Yeah, I think. that sounds right. That sounds um, right. And it was one of those games where nobody had heard about it before it was in there. And then people were like, you should check this out. This is really Yeah, it's like always the special. example people hold up of the IGF actually working. Yeah. Right. Something coming coming from relative obscurity. Yeah. <clears throat> and now they're, what, an epic exclusive. <laughs> oh, yeah. Good. I mean, that just means they got a big pile of money. Yeah. Yeah. I can't, can't complain about that. Uh. And I played uh, some uh, Stories Untold, which is a game from, like, 2017 that was one of the games that Epic was giving away. The um, Oh, yeah. Is it the, like, series of text adventure thing? Yes. Is it, like, an anthology that includes a game called The House Abandoned? 
Yes. Okay, because I played the House Abandon not knowing that it was part of a larger thing. I think originally it wasn't. Okay. D- so did they make the House Abandon and then they think, oh, we should make a bunch more of these I and then package them as a I as an anthology? Think that is what happened. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because I remember it being like clever. It was like, hey, what if we took a really bad text adventure right. and put some really cool window dressing on it that was that's basically my take on it and like i started the second one and it was the same thing and i was like i don't need another one of these oh it's just the same thing again well no it was a different a different kind of a different text adventure Mm. but um but it seemed like the same gimmick of like here's you're looking at a monitor and typing into it but also the 3d rendered world around the monitor reacts to the what's happening in the game Hmm. um and i was it actually made me pretty frustrated with like the I like do you think they made it a bad te- they chose to make a bad text adventure deliberately I would not be surprised if you told me that the people who made this game were like 25 and just have like didn't know that there were good text adventures right yeah that that was my take on it as well was that like these are people who are like Skimming tropes from the 80s because they were inspired by Stranger Things or something like that. And, like, maybe they and, remember playing Zork, but, like... Right, and, and never... And did not know that text adventures could be done well. Um, even, like, even this sort of responsiveness and disambiguation of the Z machine from the 80s is a thing that is really... Yeah. You really feel when that's missing. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. May, like, or the, maybe it is only because we have the we have the muscle memory for just like you know the abbreviations and stuff that just always work. Yeah, that's a big thing too. But like, no, like this is a problem that MIT graduates worked on. Like a team of a dozen of them worked on this problem for twelve years. You know, and this kind of feels if you just throw away that work, you're gonna lose a lot you're going to end up with a story where you have to figure out what two words to type to get to the next step in the story which Mm. in my memory is kind of what that was and that is while it approximates the experience of playing a text adventure it is not like any good version of of doing that yeah and like in a sense it doesn't so this, this game was apparently a pretty big success um and so, like, in a sense, that's a good argument for, like, you can have a certain aspect that seems central to your product actually be of pretty poor quality, and it can be made up for by other aspects of it. The gestalt of it being cool. I mean, that's, um, that's and, like, I do remember playing The House of Bannon and thinking, oh, this was really cool, even though I definitely remember that it was a bad text adventure. Right. Uh, and mm-hmm. so, like, it then becomes, my complaint then kind of becomes, like, do you have a um, a moral imperative to treat the 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 subject you're exploiting well? Like if you're 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 making a you're taking tropes from text adventures. If you show this in fr- to a bunch of people and they think that's what text adventures are, they're going to think text adventures were all this bad. Um, I hope you don't, because I made a JRPG with some really piss-poor combat in it. And... But this wasn't painted as a satire. This is presented mm. as, 
Like this is just what those things were, mm-hmm. and it's it's presented as like a loving homage. Certainly, some of them. Has... If you look, okay, if you only ever played the like Scott Adams adventure games, which yeah. were extremely rudimentary, I then... actually did because I was curious after playing um, Stories Untold. I loaded up Adventureland, hmm. and it is bad. Real bad, and like, and, and so, like, that actually kind of gave me some a little bit more respect for like at for the this one. Time it felt like, I mean, at the time, it was a game you maybe had on your computer that right. you hadn't well, messed with in a while was, to remember was, how disappointing it was. That was pre Zork, that was like, I think, one of the first microcomputer text adventures. I, I didn't come to it pre Zork, but but yeah, you, yeah, you're like, I remember playing it and like deriving satisfaction from solving the puzzles mm-hmm. and stuff. Is that the one where you get chiggers? Yeah. Uh-huh. That's that's I think that's how I learned what chiggers were. Even though when I played that game I was living in a place where there were chiggers and I've never been anywhere that had them since. I somehow didn't learn about it by getting bitten in the ankles by them. You didn't learn about it by picking them up and using them to solve a puzzle? No, I didn't. I never I never did do that. I, I also never, as far as I know, died as a child from infected chigger bites. <laughs> Not in this lifetime. Yeah, just different, different possible universe. Yeah, that sucks. Sorry, Zach. In that universe, that you missed a lot of really fucking cool video games. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I guess sex. <laughs> a lot of really cool sex. Video games. Yeah, <laughs> like such as uh, the, the later period Leisure Suit Larry <laughs> games. Oh. I kind of came to adventure games sort of all at once, like basically everything that would run on a 8088 at the time. So it's like Space Quest and Zork and the Scott Adams adventure games were just all kind of the same thing. Like I didn't understand that those mm-hmm. were from Fundamentally a period of six or seven years. Yeah. Right? And mm-hmm. so... To me, they just felt like different production value versions of things. Sure. I guess I had a vague sense that Zork was older than King's Quest, but yeah, it's weird. the The story's untold thing. It's it's a bummer that the second one wasn't sufficiently different from the first one. Like that kind of makes me not want to. It makes me feel like I've already derived all of the enjoyment from it that I'm going to. Without yeah. having actually purchased it. Well, like, if how much of the value of the first game came from the story that the text was telling you? Yeah, none. It's okay. it's it's yeah. also your your question of whether it's are they doing a disservice by making people think that text adventures were bad? I kind of doubt it because, like, I feel like. By 2019, yeah, I mean, if you were if you were the that. kind of person who was gonna enjoy a a new so, IF game, you probably know. Maybe, but like for reference, I put a I think pretty well made text adventure in Frog Fractions, and I got a lot of people saying that they didn't realize text adventures could be fun. Mm. Uh, I don't. I don't actually know if they went and played any good ones then after that. But like, there, there, there are definitely going to be people out there who, um, who have a like the cultural sense of a thing. Maybe they played like Get Ye Flask or something. 
Yeah. Which and, is like a loving homage, and it's simple enough and, and that, funny that, enough that yeah. the ways in which it's limited are fine, which is kind of how yours and that was. was too, and that one right? was also like clearly a parody. Yeah. Like the bad, the ways in which it was bad was a, was clearly a satire. Yeah. And like the brothers chaps definitely grew up with that kind of thing and they could tell the difference between a good one and a bad one. But maybe they don't. I mean, I, I could not say with any degree of certainty that the brothers chaps are like aware of modern IF. Yeah. I, the, 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 the set of people who makes IF is some number of dozens of people and I don't know that I can say with any great certainty that the set of players is even 10 times as big as the set of developers. And I, so yeah. it's a thing that like... I remember seeing numbers in the early 2000s maybe that something... Like the, the, like based on server logs of the IF archive that a few thousand people were downloading these things. Yeah, um, It's probably not... I don't get the sense that parser fiction has grown as a community since then yeah i mean it might shrink by the rate at which the members of it die right hmm. but yeah i mean it's like i started paying attention to that scene in the 90s and it's just all the same people mm -hmm. you know it was interesting to suddenly be in a slack with all of them <laughs> like people oh you, you were you were on the news group that i read when i was like growing up and now mm -hmm. because of the crane manor thing that jenny and and ryan veter put together it's like oh well here's all the that's all all the people who are interested in this are still here are and you, collaborating are you on specifically this talking about uh plotkin oh yeah i mean i'd i'd <laughs> met him just through work prior to that but just like i mean also i'm like meeting carl muck and oh, oh wait you're baff that's weird yeah like yeah. i remember your website oh wow i had no idea that was baff <laughs> I follow yeah. him on Twitter, or he follows me, or one of the two, or both. Yeah, one's right. He was he was at Telltale for a long time. Um, you see him at you see him at events and stuff. Nice guy. Um, his Twitter used to be mostly photographs of birds, which was always pretty nice. I like getting a photograph of a bird every once in a while instead of just like I don't know a photograph of a Nazi. Although I don't know what that bird's politics are. I don't. Andrew Plotkin for a long time for me was just like the guy on the internet who wherever I went he was already there. Mm -hmm. He was like on the on the news groups I was interested in and he did that uh that Systems Twilight game and and uh when I got into that uh that board game company Looney Labs who made uh Flux and some other games much more interesting than Flux. Um he was like a big friend of theirs, so he was all over their forums. <laughs> and right. And he's just like, man. <laughs> he was one of the first people that I talked to, I think before I even hired anybody else. When I was working on KOL, I just like, oh, hey, I, I emailed him. And I'm like, hey, I noticed you were playing this game. I, I like your work. Like, how, how's it going? Do you, do you have any, you know, what do you, what do you think? Do you got any feedback? And he was like, if you put... If you make sure that everywhere that you can go in Kingdom of Loathing has a link back to the place where you came from, it will feel a lot more like a real place. And I was like, oh, cool. Thanks for that idea. I guess that'll just be a thing that seems very obvious in retrospect and should <laughs> go everywhere. Um, Neat. He's nice. Um, we still see him. He, he's on the, he's, he comes to our GDC parties. Nice. But if you should come to our GDC party and you can hang out with Andrew Plotkin. Uh, yeah. Talk about stand, talk about that text around. adventure that you didn't work on for some reason. What What do you mean, Crane Manor? 
I it is it is so surprising to me that you I, th- I guess we've talked about this before, but like that Jenny and Ryan either gave people the option of like learning enough in Form Seven to make a room, or just describing their room and having them implement it for you, and you chose the latter. Uh, That's the I most kind of unriff did, thing. I kind of did. I kind of did both. Because well, it's somewhere in the middle is would is more accurate to say than both. Because I remembered enough of uh, Inform syntax to to fully write my uh, 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 room as reasonable looking pseudocode, just not enough to make it actually functionable if you if you just type that pseudocode straight into it. Is it because you used the word functionable? Yeah, possibly. <laughs> yeah, maybe you're bad at interactive fiction because yeah. you're bad at words. Every Every single one of my different variables was named functionable, and I think that oh, might okay. have been a problem. <laughs> I still can't believe they actually shipped that thing. Yeah, yeah, boy. I mean, it's a it's a mess, but it is a but it is a clockwork mess. Yeah. <laughs> like it's. I wouldn't want to have to like write all day in our like loathing markup language and then switch to other weird markup languages. Yeah. And also the, the thing about inform is that in my experience, it's pretty difficult to learn because the, the manual for it is really oddly laid out and it makes it really hard to, to it's, find the knowledge you want. So I was docu- kind of running the on the, like, the assumption that, that it would be much easier. It would be like a, a factor of 10 easier for people who are familiar with Inform already to, to, to make this work than it would be for me. That's true. The documentation is bananas. It's like it is basically impossible to find, like, how do I make it so, like, there's a table and you can put stuff on it because like when you look up any of those things all it gives you is like rudimentary examples of things that do nothing or incredibly complicated examples of things that break every rule mm-hmm. that you can do but it, there's almost nothing like how do you make a chair that you can sit in yeah i guess i'll just go into the slack and ask and there's no simple like <laughs> lists of things there's no like straight up command i don't list there's no dictionary of of uh I don't even know what all these programmer jargon terms are but it's weird cuz it's it like purports to be natural language but it is like so picky and it would be so much better if it was like just let me use fucking curly braces instead of like figuring out the right way oh, to like, structure like a six. sentence yeah yeah no I agree with that and I think that like the it has the same problem that parser fiction does like I think that's yeah. why Inform 7 happened that way is because they, like, the the same people who think that it's a good idea to have, to control a video game by typing in an English sentence, also think it's a good idea to make a video game by typing in an English sentence. And the difference is that, like, when you're playing a video game, the value that the parser provides you is the illusion that you can do anything. Mm. Um, but that's not a value that a programming language provides. Yeah. The it's well, Turing complete program. Yeah, it kind of does, but like the difference is, you, like if you want to pick up a sword, you know how to tell the game to 
do that among the myriad possibilities that you don't want. And whereas when you're making the game, there's no way to like because you could be doing anything. There's no way to look up how to do a simple thing. I feel like learning the the templates of what you can type into a text adventure probably like not having gone through the process of learning in Form Seven. I bet it's a similar process of like yeah okay you're probably right. It in Form Seven is pretty good for making like a simple thing like it's very breezy for if you just want some rooms with some simple objects in them and all your game is going to be in the in the text. But, yeah, but, but the, like any but the, tool would make that easy. Yeah, if you're going to do that, you might as well use Twine, and because yeah, and the the moment you're you're going to come up with a puzzle that requires something the least bit complex let alone like implementation of liquids or some crazy bullshit mm. then you're you're hosed i just there's nothing in me that wants to make or play any of the complicated things that are described in that manual like it once you start kind of violating the expectations of the medium in terms of the like fidelity of interactions that you can have with stuff, that's where puzzles become impossibly obtuse. Yeah. Like, I mean, I guess not. Like, Zarf's games, Andrew Plotkin's games are pretty clever in terms of like, like that. What's that spy one where you have like a tool that can Spider have different things plugged into either end of it? No, oh, yeah. Like, that is an extremely convoluted thing to do in terms of modeling it in the world but it's very easy to understand from a play perspective and it's cool right but like but yeah the the like liquid modeling like it doesn't who cares like who Hmm. enjoys that's not whatever it is that you're trying to do it like there's never a point in a good story that you read about some like very careful manipulation of a bunch of quantities of liquids it's glossed over it's glossed over to the point to, to just for interestingness, and it should also be like that to play. I I I don't. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe that I don't know. There was that part of Die Hard Five or whatever where we had to solve, had to to solve the bucket yeah. puzzle. Yeah, we're suddenly playing Professor Layton. Yeah. Well, the 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 text adventure genre grew out of puzzle box worlds that you were supposed to manipulate very finely, and that was like that was the point of those early games and so like it doesn't surprise me that like a lot of the people who are still interested in those games are still interested in like very specific manipulation of very detailed objects do you think the kind of people who were more into the literary interactive fiction are now just making twine stuff I don't know. My, my, whenever I see like the entries in an IF comp, I always assume that all of the Twine games are made by like 20 year old trans people and all of the Parser games are made by like 40 year old white women. (laughs) And, and that the, there's this idea that maybe there's tension in the competition between the branching stuff parser, and the parser-based parser, stuff, yeah. but there's more hand-wringing about the tension than there is tension. Hmm. But I don't get the impression that a bunch of people switched from parser fiction to 
other. No, I think it's styles. more that people who the were field doing other up. style. Yeah, the yeah. more people arrived, and those people were all doing twine. Yeah, and it's. I feel like it's easier to be to make a long game with twine than it is with a parser, right? Like you're, you can just write and write and write if you want. Well, yeah. you don't have to spend a bunch. I mean, parser games have a ton of writing that no one will ever see. Right. Right. If you wanted to respond in cool ways to things that probably no one would try. Yeah. Um, and so, like, yeah, the critical path of a parser game is pretty short, but re- the amount of writing in a parser game is a hundred times the critical path, whereas a twine game could be just critical path. Sure. So, yeah, the scope of it is. A parser game where it told you what the critical path was so you mm. could just see a story. So you could ignore it. But mm. then you could, yeah, you could just do a bunch of other random just, shit. You could just Stanley Parable it all the way. Yeah. yeah. That's the opposite of uh, uh, my favorite part of a lot of text adventures is the list at the end you get when you win of funny things you can yeah, do. Yeah, have you tried. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, that's pretty good. I kind of wanted that list at the beginning, though. Yeah. <laughs> what have you been playing, Riff? Uh, only the assignment, although I did do like some preliminary investigation into a thing I might, I might try playing soon, uh, which is that somebody did a... Uh, somebody made a randomizer for the three uh, Nintendo DS Castlevania games, hmm. which, uh, which produces a shuffled ROM of that, that shuffles just about everything in the game, potentially, depending on what, what dip switches you pick, uh, including like procedurally generate an entirely new map and shuff- oh, wait, does this does this shuffle things from all three games together no i i i don't think so <laughs> uh, that was a question i had because it's 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 the same bit bit of software works for all three roms and i was like wait oh, wait a minute is this is this gonna shuffle them all together but and i looked everywhere on freaking github and every readme i could find on the thing i could not find a, de- a definitive yes or no answer but right. i have to assume it does not uh, and so this is the thing nuts. you make the rom and then you'd play it in emulation or would you put it on your uh either you can your... you can play it in emulation or uh you can if you have like an a a a, 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 a rom card for ds you could play it on hardware um, but yeah, that seems pretty cool if it can fully randomize a castle. Like yeah, that. It, not, not man. It's it randomize the map. It'll randomize all the item locations that are on the floor. It will randomize what all the monsters drop, or you can set them to not drop anything at all. So you have to. So you're more limited in in what stuff you can use. You, you can have it randomize. Uh, what like souls the different monsters drop you can randomize all of the monster stats you can randomize all of the equipment stats you can randomize all the dialogue in the game it just takes the entire (laughs) it takes the whole dialogue file and runs it through a markov Uh, generator and then repopulates all of the fields oh that is pretty good (laughs) i am i am into that 
I mean, it would, it, you know, it's like my swimsuit. Yeah, I'm sure it would be nonsense or whatever. But, yeah. what, was that, what was that thing called? Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't actually profane. But it was something about a swimsuit and a weathercock. Oh yeah, <laughs> I don't think I know this one. I do rem- it remember was a, the it word was a visual cock. novel where all of the text was proc gen. Oh yeah, and it was unreadable. Oh, because it didn't start and end in the right. Yeah, it didn't start and end at the beginnings of periods. and ends of sentences. Yeah, yeah like right. it just it was. Yeah. Mm. One thing I really liked about uh, Zelda Randomizer was that when you went into the cave that give you like you'd occasionally go into caves that give you clues. Yeah. Um, they updated the caves with like they with accurate clues like. Where you would find like the location, you would find certain items. Mm, yeah, they. Is this uh, a thing that you can do? Like the Zelda One randomizer? Is this like you can get this and play it? Yeah. Yep. Okay. You have to find you that. have to find the ROM, uh, like a, a Zelda or or Link to the Past ROM, uh, elsewhere, and then provide it to the web page that randomizes it for you. A web page. Oh, weird. Yeah. So it like runs on the server and changes everything. Does it run on the server? Or does it give you a download link to the? It gives you well, to the randomized ROM. Okay. I'm Zelda. saying like, but like the the code to randomize the ROM runs on a server and the then Zelda, it spits out. That a seems new like ROM. a very well. Also, so it, it the depends. Zelda one randomizer is just a program. Yeah, okay. it's different, but depending on the game, the the link to the past ROM is a web page. I'm pretty sure the the Castlevania ones I was talking about are a, are a Java file. No, it's not a Gile. It's a exe. I'm what happens if you put in? Did you just some... refer to a Java file as a Gile? That is a I don't pretty good. Think so. I might have pretty good abbreviation. <laughs> yeah, what if you just is. put in a different game? What if you just put in like Skyrim? I don't know. Would it would it give you, you some sort of Skyrim the, to the Skyrim server and it DS? would send it to you back? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Can it just take any game and make a randomized version for your your uh, DS? That'd be good. So I want to point out, like Zach, since you didn't know about randomizers, you might know not know about this either, and it seems like it's up your alley. There is someone made a, um, a SNES ROM, which is a merging of Link to the Past and Super Metroid, mm-hmm. where you're playing both games at once. You go from like between portals, like portals in the map, from one game into the other. And I think this is it also randomizes the items across. Yeah, yeah I remember yeah. reading about that, but not understanding like how it. I didn't have a sense of how it played. Yeah. Uh, it just seemed like the sort of thing like you would you could go uh, on a on a deep dive into one weekend and then talk about it on the podcast. I just want like one game that, would that be I'm an relatively interesting familiar assignment, with. Actually, that it I would just, be. It feels like it would just be impossible. I spent an hour. The, the on Super a... Metroid randomizer does seem pretty difficult for someone who isn't intimately familiar with Super Metroid, like on yeah. a speedrunning level, because Super Metroid hides a lot of its item locations in real obscure places. But yeah. the link to the past one would be pretty casually playable. Yeah. So I, I played. So I spent like an hour playing a Zelda one randomized map, and I set the randomization like pretty high um in terms of like what what gets randomized to the point where like the sword isn't in the first cave mm-hmm. um and i was able to make progress in the game i think i eventually got it i found the white sword and i eventually found enough hearts to get the white sword but like also like the you'd get a triforce piece that that's just being carried by a skeleton in the second room <laughs> of the dungeon, that sort of thing. But like, I 
think it would have been much, much harder if I hadn't known so many of the 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 overworld secret locations. Yeah, that's the thing that wor- that worries me about that is that I don't remember a lot of yeah. them. Well, I that's bet a that's bunch of them makes, would come back to me. That's what makes Link to the Past a good a good casual choice because most of it's it doesn't have very many locations that are secret. Yeah, it doesn't have like Super Metroid has the bomb a random wall and get yeah. a thing feature. Whereas Link to and, the Link to the Past, all the bombable walls have cracks on them. And yeah, stuff bombs like are just a different kind of key. Right? Yeah. yeah. So the the uh, the link to the past one is is actually a really elaborate randomizer now because I think that's where a lot of the a lot of the focus has been uh, in the in the development of randomizers. The um, they've got like a setting now that you can start in the uh, in the dark world with all the. Um, like the the devices that that work between like the the mirror teleports you to the light world instead of the dark world you need to find the moon pearl to be able to not be a rabbit when you're in the light world instead of the dark world so, oh i see and and, and all that and, and they made they like changed some of the some of the scenery because that directionality makes it impossible to get to some places otherwise but they they have that and you can do that and or a setting where all the dungeon keys are like labeled specifically to their respective dungeon and thrown into the global random item pool so that like if you're in Tower of Hera and open a chest you might get a small key to like an entirely different dungeon <laughs> So, so you have to you have to find all the keys you need for the dungeon you want to go to before you can go to that dungeon. Yeah, Jeez. I'm Good. still so mad Ugh. about the ice dungeon from when I tried to replay Link to the Past last year. That I just don't. I'm not interested in this at all. Hmm. I want to play. I want to play <laughs> randomized Zelda one, even though I bet it will be a worse experience. <laughs> Because I'm still just well, salty about... Consider that you're probably only going to play this for like a couple hours at best. Yeah. You're probably not going to get to the Probably part. not going to get to the ice dungeon. Yeah. You could also just roll a seed where the ice dungeon ends up not being necessary to go to because it's a pendant you mm-hmm. don't need or something. Oh, yeah. If you could just like uncheck the shitty levels from the configuration... Will the Zelda randomizer like put random enemies in rooms and stuff? Yeah, that's an oh, option. That's so, that yeah. seems so good. Jeez. Is it guaranteed winnable? Yes. Is the idea that it's guaranteed winnable? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Not a, a a seed where it ends up not being winnable is considered a bug that you email the developer about. I see. Because that means they've got a problem with their logic. Logic. Okay. Uh, well, should we talk about the assignment? Sure. Dragon Quest Builders 2. Dragon Quest Builders 2. It's like Minecraft, except with it's like characters Dragon and a plot and a list one. of things to do. Yeah, it's Dragon, like Dragon Quest, Quest Builders, Builders 1, 1 only Bel- worse on every uh, axis. <laughs> you're nuts. That is a crazy thing to say, man. Like so, the combat, <laughs> you you don't think it's better to 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 not take damage by touching an enemy when your when your attack radius is like a centimeter 
The combat is fine. It, uh, like I had a hard time. It it never felt like I could tell where my guy was standing in the world because of the like, camera. Yeah, and I and I feel like I just always kind of. I would swing a sword wildly until I happened to get close enough to a yeah. thing to hit it because I couldn't really tell. Especially how close when I was there's to like big mobs of guys and you can't really so tell yeah, where you that, are in that mess. Was that better in the previous game? Like I don't remember. No, it was yeah, much much worse in the previous game because it had the same problem. Except also, touching an enemy damaged you. Right. So it was impossible. Yeah, I feel like I've taken almost no damage in this. I th- this game just keeps. It is just this constant barrage of like micro violences committed against my psyche because every time you do anything or want to do anything or there's any transition between anything and anything else in gameplay there are like 60 lines of dialogue that I don't give a fuck about and then like I thought this would just be me and then like three quarters of a second where we're just pausing between doing a couple of animations then you can't control anything and we don't tell you when you've given control back so you're just constantly hammering on the joystick hoping to regain control of the character and it is fucking infuriating I I could not stand just constant infuriation and I riff. I don't understand Man, I have, how you're so. Like, I had was, no so problem. Did you, you set? Remember? Did you set the text speed up? I set the text speed to maximum. It's not okay, the, te- the text no you can just hammer through. Yeah, this is the hammer through in between every couple of lines of dialogue. It's like, all right, now we're gonna play a cute animation on the characters, but we're gonna pause for 0.75 seconds between every animation, so we don't have awkward transitions or whatever. Like it's, even when the game gives you control back, like it it. It just pauses for like a second, like so. You're just staring at your character, waiting to get get control of the joystick again. I have not particularly noticed any problem with that. Wow. I, I was not. I was not bothered as much by those. The things that did bother me were the just the weird text on black screens that you don't know who's saying them. That it's it's like from the voice of a character. And they just sit there for like thirty seconds. That was weird. That is weird. I and wonder. Just, do you also have the text speed up. all all the way up? I have it at I have it at like three out of eight instead okay, of huh. middle. So so does it does it does that text pop up all at once and then wait, or does it type in very slowly? Is it, what I was wondering. It just shows up and waits. I couldn't oh, tell. That's if weird. You, I, I have no idea why that does that. That is, that is kind of gross. There's no. Yeah, end, you, you end up sitting and looking at that button. message for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the so there are some things that I think that, that that are vastly improved. Like the so first of all, this thing unfolds so slowly it is driving me crazy i really badly want to play it but like i don't want to spend it i think it took two or three hours before like i got the the sort of cool inventory upgrade thing and like that should that that's great and like they give it to you when they think that you're about to run out of stuff but i had already gotten more things than fit in my in my action mm. bar i mean they let you build a chest before that like sure. the amount of time the amount of time between you starting the game and you building a bedroom for somebody is like 6 hours yeah and it's like have you forgotten what this game is about yeah, well it's, it's like also it, it's a really it's 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 a long ass game and they've they've paced it accordingly. This is like a, a Stardew Valley game. This isn't gonna be 
because I feel like beaten in I, probably even sixty hours. I'm let still alone in the 20. tutorial after eight or ten hours of gameplay. It it's driving me crazy. Like, here, let's let's show you how to do some like large scale, uh, you know, renovations of the environment. And I'm like, I don't. I know how Minecraft works. Everyone knows how Minecraft works. <laughs> you don't need to do this. This is so aggravating. Also, like. Presumably, almost everyone who's getting this game has played Dragon Quest Builders yes. One. Well, but yeah. nobody's gonna nobody's gonna make that assumption when you're making a sequel. You know, but what you do is you have an option. Say, hey, do you do you remember Dragon Quest Builders One? Great, we're just gonna skip you right through all this. Or they could just make a better tutorial. Like, if if it were much, all if all the little, if all the dumb conversations were skippable. And yeah. if all the little tiny animations between them were neither not there or skippable, or were just or like, faster, just yeah. like, like I, the the there's the, these little tutorial pop ups that like pop up in the center of the screen, and you have to stare at them for a few seconds, and then they go off into the corner. If they just and then you can play again. If they just were in the you corner, can play, to but begin they cover with, up the fucking map. Well, yeah, like, uh -huh. cool. Thanks. Like, the the amount of time that you have to wait for the little jingle to play and the window to pop up when you pick up an item is fucking unconscionable. Like, the fact that they I mean, use it's like that a, in every Metroid and Zelda game has that little jingle when you pick up a, they, an item. They Come use, on, man. Not these when, a, you, not when these you get, are like, tiny, a, tiny nitpicks that you're furious oil. about. They, because they represent 80% of the time spent playing the game. Like, or if not eighty, it's, it's not, certainly eighty percent of what I think about. Eighty percent of your like of your action is like wrapped up in these things, and it's just like every single time there's like this weird delay that should that just shouldn't be there. Like that's, multiple times a minute, just hammering on a button, waiting for control to be returned to you throughout. All, and like it's it's fine and it's fun when you get to go out and explore the world or whatever. Also. I went and found some guys in a village, but I hadn't gotten to the point in the quest where you were allowed to interact with them yep. yet. And so there was just a generic there. message saying, you try to strike up a conversation, but nothing happens. Yep. Which, like, fuck you. Yep. Like, that you did all of this writing for this game, but you couldn't write a unique line of dialogue for those guys or just had them not be there or... There's a there's like, a lot of, of sloppy stuff that's like, after you've accomplished something, they still tell you to do it. Like... There's too many characters, and I think they over. I think they overcommitted themselves because they're like they just had to write thousands and thousands and thousands of lines of dialogue, and they just should have not done it this way. Maybe I don't know. I hate that fucking guy that follows you around, and I hate having a fucking guy following you around. Just huh? Yeah. I actually, I actually he's, like the fact that there's somebody there to help. Is, to like, he's like he's pretty useful, and he becomes yeah. he sure as I as mean, the I, game. I, I understand that he's like killing monsters, and he's yeah. like also if I start farming grass, he'll start farming grass, and yeah. that's pretty clever. But like, it's also constantly he's a guy moving around that's approximately the size of my character that's making me not know which one is you. Yeah, like yeah, the silhouettes also, are not also like enough. the art design doesn't make that any clearer. Yeah, um, I. I love the like mobility upgrade that you get like maybe six or eight hours in. <laughs> um, it's very that that feels very uh, Breath of the Wild inspired. Yeah, yeah mm. that's pretty nice. Um, but uh, like, the ability to like they also mm. give you that i the uh, the tool that lets you 
uh, pick shit up and, and rotate it and move it around without having to destroy it first is pretty uh, handy. Oh, the the glove? glove thing? Yeah, the yeah, glove. God damn it, though. That, I, that glove, I'm constantly selecting that thing by accident instead of the hammer because the button that I expect to perform some other basic function is in, instead the button the, that changes They the, use the A button for like 20 different things and moving one pixel will change the context and I am constantly doing the wrong yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. That and is that's a problem. Really that, that, that is like, that is the thing I agree with you not liking that Malroth guy about because he's always standing too, too close too to close. me when I want to switch to the hammer. Yeah. yeah. And you end up talking to him. Talking to him. You <sighs> can, you can, there are like four different control layouts that, that let you change like what the A button does and how you access those things. But yeah. I, I looked at them and I, I wasn't sure any of those were going to feel yeah, do any right of them, like, to split, me. Split like maybe if I started with one of them instead of having been playing with no. the standard version for, I don't know, God, probably 40 hours now. <laughs> the number of times I've jumped off a cliff, hit A and just fallen and taken a ton of damage is also really frustrating. Cause like oh, that. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah. My problem is, there's... is it, it works for me every time I hit A, but often I will, I will hit a button other than A <laughs> because every button is used on, on, on those controllers and, and often for more than one thing. So, to, so I end up fucking, hitting the wrong thing a lot. To lay a one high wall, you hold left trigger, left button, and place brick and move at the same time. Is that to, is that, what? does that let you like strafe? Oh, so if you, you just, if you just what? hold down the, 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 the brick laying button, that lets you strafe. Oh, I didn't know that. Every, everything. Oh. Yeah, you can strafe. It's actually really like, it's, cause none I, of this to, is explained anywhere, but you can do all of this. Cause I, the only way I could figure out how to strafe was by laying things below me, like holding, right. holding well, down that the thing a, that, that does a one high also thing works, ab- yeah. and above. Right. If, but normally when you strafe, you do two high walls, which is desirable when you're making a town, which you never do in this game. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's, that's false. But, but it's I, great. I just got, there's so much. It, I just like, I'm there, so yeah. far yeah. into this and it has yet to let me play fucking Dragon Quest. I'm so tired of crops. That's the problem, right? Like it's, it's focusing on like, I guess like here's how you're gonna feed yourself, even though food isn't important because it just doesn't. You never matter. take damage. Yeah. Like there's no like. Uh, I've but, encountered like two kinds of monsters in the fucking six out. Like, I just want this to get the fuck out of my way so that I can play it. Yeah. But it's just it's so so noisy. There is. I, like I feel like there's so much going on in this game. I w- I wanted desperately to get to the like multiplayer part part of it so that I could like play that and see what what that was about. And I just I still haven't gotten there, and it's driving me crazy. Mm. Um, but I did get to the part where they have uh, procedurally generated places that you yeah, can go to, like get resources. Yeah. Well, except that the the like procedural generation is really bad. Like yeah, Minecraft it's... is a, is shows you how to do this just use those i don't know that it's it's those the the well it's very it's very flat and then vertical plateaus that it doesn't have like rolling hills the way minecraft does but uh, make it make it interesting i actually thought they only have like three biomes island you end up on was sorry i actually thought the island you end up on was proc gen no it just wasn't it's all that that's all authored there's it it becomes like when they tell you like if if you leave here you can't come back 
that's that, that's a that's a procedurally generated island. Okay. I haven't gotten that. I I I think I think that's another couple hours ahead of you. Like mm. how how far are you into the like quest the the like island quest thing? I got I had to plant a bunch of wheat. There's uh, a you you're like you're you've got a long way to go. Yeah, I'm just I'm not going to play it anymore. Yeah. I'm just I'm so mad. I I'm going to give it some more time and see if it, it like it gets it good. opens up. Like if you can if if you can get as I well, I I have no idea what what you guys are going to like or not like, but I really enjoyed the uh the second major island it has some really cool stuff going on. That's where you like they finally like cuz like I they've just told me about that and that's where like metal stuff is, right? Yeah, that's that's where you first get metal. Okay. Um and because the the that mine is... the mine is very uh well, it's not I wouldn't not exactly dungeony, but it it's like underground tunnels, which is which is novel for this kind of thing. Hmm. Um, uh, also the, it, it throws a really, really interesting curveball into the plot progression after, with, after, after you go back to the sandbox island after the second island and it, it, um, you guys haven't gotten this far yet, but when you finish each island, you, you take a bunch of the villagers from that island back to the sandbox island and then they they have some uh requests for you that that cause you to like further develop the sandbox island you you end up like building towns there and about three quarters into what they have you doing after the second island uh they like throw a real curveball into into the plot progression like basically well i don't want to spoil it but uh it's super interesting but yeah, I is mean, it, it's a it's a real long game. It, it, it's if you're not enjoying like the game, you like might never get a there. Thousand hour game. Yeah, like, it's it's. Uh, I I wish the I wish the save thing had a had a readout of how long you'd been playing it because I have no. I idea wish there was more I than one it. save slot. That drives me crazy. The fact that you only have one save slot, and every time you go to a different island, it just copies over that. Mm. And you can't have you can't have any history. You can't be like, oh, actually, I didn't want to go to this island. I want to I, I want to keep exploring the island. I was on. Sorry, you, you've already you've committed. You can't you can't change your mind. I think I think the second island lets you go back. I, I did go, not. You try can always it, go. Though. You can always go. Well, you can't always go back immediately. But you can like yeah. you can go back, and that's that's fine. It's not it's not that you are like trapped forever it's the fact that like you have zero agency on like being able to test something and see if you like it you know oh way, i see right? then, and like, see like see what the outcome it. is yeah see see how it's gonna look without having to tear it down manually afterwards yeah right like because it, it, if you be want helpful. if you like if you want to save something like halfway through a project but you're like i don't know that i actually want to build this you're you're just screwed and that drives me crazy. Like, there's, I just feel like if they're going to give you manu- the ability to manually save, let you actually manually save and have multiple slots. Like, it, mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it. Also, I bought the cartridge, and as far as I can tell, it's saving the game on the cartridge. Really? Because it is. Yeah, it's like the save file is like a gig, and it is not taking up any space on my Switch or on my SD card. Huh. So 
that's weird. Which means you can't just like, I was like, oh, maybe I can. Maybe like, that's why there's only one safe slot. Yeah. Well, and I think that might, I think it might be a technical thing, but you know what? You could have just like let people save it on the SD card and it would have been fine. Yeah. <laughs> what, are you, what are your thoughts, Jim? Uh, so I, what I was wondering was, do you think that the, when they made the first Dragon Quest builders that they made it maybe without realizing it or maybe because they didn't have the time to like actually teach people how to play for an audience of people who were coming from Minecraft and knew how to play Minecraft. And then with this game, they were like, we're going to do it right and actually teach people step by step how to play Minecraft and tell the story we wanted to tell about these 9 million people who never shut the fuck up. (laughs) Yeah, it was, I, I can't tell you how galling it is for like, Every other line of dialogue being like, huh, you want to hear more about the lore that, I'm, that I've been talking about for the past 10 minutes? Um, like just putting the words in your mouth, like when you don't give a shit. Also, you you almost have no actual real choices. Like every time it gives you a yes or no option, one of them is the answer that they want, and the other one just loops you oh, back to. Well, that's yeah. that's that's dragon. That's just dragon, dragon quest. quest. Yeah. Oh, is that that's, dragon that's, quest? That's but, their yeah, running but thou gag. Must. Yeah. yeah, but yeah. thou must. Like that's the, the, okay. Well, that's yeah. a, that is not a funny gag. And, <laughs> yeah, their pun game is still super on point, though. I don't know who they have doing <sighs> the doing the doing the. Riff, uh, you're fired. No, man. There's some good ones. It's Pastor uh, Al was the was the one that I was like, okay, that's uh, good. that one wasn't good. <laughs> that that's the only funny one, right? Wait, he's, he's the one that likes like barbecue pork. Yeah. Did you get? Okay. Uh, um, have you unlocked the um, uh, 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 the like the dual attack with uh, with Malroth? No. It's it eventually when uh, it unlocks a thing where you can do like a tag team attack with him once he gets super fired up. And the name for that attack is the Co-op de Grace. Mm. Come on, that's gold. <laughs> it it works better in print than spoken. I'll give, I'll, I'll give you that because part of it why it's funny is because of the spelling. But um, I I think it is entirely possible that this is a better game and is a super great once you've played like twenty hours yeah, or something. And and I think it, I think. My my willingness to like, uh, uh, willingness isn't the way to put this, but the the fact that I have kind of gotten into the characters and the story is is causing me to not have as much grief with the slowness as you guys are. Um, yeah, I feel like if I actually enjoyed reading the text, it would be a very different. Experience. Yeah, because I I yeah. like the character voices are interesting. Like there there's a worm character who actually speaks with like a Northern England farmer's accent, which I think is super charming. And uh, I don't know the it's it, the the uh, the lower level like the island plots and the sort of overarching uh, meta plot are uh, for like a cartoony fantasy plot they're pretty interesting cartoony fantasy plots and i don't know there's yeah it's just super charming to me and just the 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 feature the quality of life improvements that they've made over the first game with like 
massive backpack and fast travel and and just and it seems like all you can the build stuff is just you can so build good. anywhere you're not constrained to like a little yeah area. yeah that's totally Which, true. all of that yeah. seems great i just want to build a fucking town and it's like there's still a, there's it's still having like to a weird do just town limitation all thing. of this shit that isn't that and it's like there's like they aren't explicit about it, but there are like there are borders to the town where mm. yeah, you can kind of tell like when the town music there you'll find a like the the edge of where the town music starts. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and 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 uh, when you want to build some defensive walls because the enemies always attack. Right, the same you you'll you'll side. You, you need to know where where that border is or else they'll spawn inside the wall. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> things mm. like that. But yeah, I mean, other than that, you can you can. You can still build uh, pretty much everywhere, and and the camera deals with being inside a little better. Did Ugh. did the first game let you switch to first person? I forget. No, that's new. Oh, that's see, new. that's real good. For when you're going into a cramped space, you can just switch yeah. it to first person and play it that's like it's true. Minecraft. I keep forgetting that that's an option. It's yeah, I, I me too, forget. actually. When somebody asked me to build a room, I thought they wanted me to put a roof on the room. And then I just was not. <laughs> oh, yeah. Did you not play the first one? I, I did, but I guess not for that long. Hmm. Yeah, and I was you can put like, roofs on it, the... and you'll find roof parts, but it's right. easier if you don't. I was just wondering, like, how is the camera going to handle this? Yeah. You know? It it handles it a little better than the first one did. It's still not great. That's which is probably why they put first person view mode in. Right. But yeah, if you're like me, you'll you'll love it. If if you're like any of these other three guys, you, you'll you'll hate it. <laughs> I uh, I deconstructed the the dock a little oh. bit on the first island yeah. uh, before there was a boat there, and now the ship captain is like below the level of the dock. Oh and, no! <laughs> and it basically every time I want to leave, I have to wait for it to error out because he's trying to get on the boat and he can't. Oh. <laughs> And, can you, and can because you, he's, yeah, can, I can't can repair it because he, he he's he's yeah. in a hole. He's in the hole, oh, and I, no. I can't build on top of him. <laughs> oh, so this is good. an example of where if I had had a second save, I would have gone back to that island oh. and fixed it. But it, I'm just trapped forever with this now. Oh, I live for that kind of glitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so good. <this> is... <laughs> uh, well, I have to take my Switch with me on this trip because of our next assignment, Super Mario Maker 2. Uh, what I yeah, what which I was we are pitch, going to be totally reversed on. This is going to be the one where I despise it and you three love it. Well, but here here's what I'm going to pitch. We each make a level. We each play all of the others' levels, and then we can we, release them to the and yeah, and then we can we can put them out. We can audience. put them in the show notes. Uh, I have so a, riff. Make make the level you want to see in the world. Okay. Uh, also, I have a couple of really interesting levels. That I've just been keeping a list of like levels that people are. Um, commenting on uh, in various media, and some of them are pretty cool. There's like a full-on puzzle set in a Mario level, hmm. which is neat. Um, and I'll I'll post a link to that uh, in the in the video games hot dog Slack for people who are interested. Sounds good. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, this turned out to not be as bad an episode as I feared <laughs> it would be from the beginning. And it's almost time for us to have a normal non-Burger King dinner. Burger what? King. I mean, we had dinner before the show. <laughs> Kevin is so scandalized. 
by my flagrant disregard for, for tax next law. week yeah. uh, after at this dinner. Yeah, that's how that works. Wait. And listeners, I hope you'll join us for dinner. Uh, where are we going? West of Pecos. No, we've already been to West of Pecos. We, we made this vow when we first started recording here that we would not go to the same restaurant twice for a, a year. year. Whoa. Um, Is that and feasible? Hasn't it been a year? Oh, it's absolutely feasible. Like, there are there are absolutely 52 restaurants within walking distance of here that are great. Uh, 40 of them are Burger King. <laughs> just 40 different Burger Kings. Oh There's my just, God. Somebody just, somebody picked the, the Burger King block and put it on their bar and just held the button down <laughs> while running around. <laughs> well, and so it's they, too high because they so, didn't know what the trick where you can make San, San Francisco, San Francisco doesn't let any new chain restaurants open except on the sites of other chain restaurants. So now there's just a tower. There's like a Burger King with a Taco Bell on top of it, with a McDonald's on top of it, with a Chipotle on top of it. With a, Oh, see, the great uh, thing about those is those are those are tunes. So if you stack them up three high, the top one automatically turns into a Taco Bell. <laughs> <laughs> I don't get it. Uh, there's a block that does that. I see. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, anyway, listeners, I hope you'll join us at Taco Bell for dinner. And until then, cockaboo boobalaya. Good, Good night, night, everybody. Have a great week, everybody. tried to go to Taco Bell on Sunday uh-huh. and I couldn't because there was the line for the Taco Bell in Pacifica oh, well, was... You went to the, the world, the most famous Taco Bell in the world, of course. It's the most famous Taco Bell in the world. <laughs> it's also, a Taco Bell can- cantina. It is now a Taco Bell cantina. They closed and the, that weekend was the grand reopening. Yeah, of course and so there, was. Were, there were like probably a hundred people in line at Of course. Taco Bell. I, I would I would have gone with you down to this specific to Taco Bell. JP's Taco Bell recreation in No Man's Sky. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see that? No. It's really good. <laughs> it's I didn't realize that there was that much customization in No Man's Sky. Like it's it is like remarkably similar to the sort of silhouette of the Pacifica Taco Bell. Huh. And has like tables outside in a weird, you know. It's it's always sunset there, just like in real life. Well, we gotta go. We should just go at some point during the week. Although I I don't think of Taco Bell as a place that I would eat during the week. No. But uh, we. I also want to take you to climb around on that bunker. Yes. There's like an old abandoned army bunker that has a lot of geometry that you can only get to if you're willing to do a if you're willing to a climb that is a little too daring for most people to do, but that is trivial for us because we're superhuman climbing men. <laughs> no, it's just like you got to kind of. Mantle. You got to you gotta kind of get out on... There's a place where there's like very, very good handholds and like a couple inches of... Of ledge. Of ledge, which I'm just not scared of anymore. And it's only like 10 or 12 feet up. So it's not like you would die if you fell, but most people just won't do it. Right. And so... Oh, I think I know this place. Yeah. It's cool. It's right by the really good Taco Bell. <laughs> you can reward yourself with a Dorito Taco Loco after you... Yeah. <laughs> Make the climb.